Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? That was a fairly good welcome. I don't know. How are you today? Ah, there we go. Let's stand together. It's great to have you here. With tambourine in hand. That's great, Joy. <laughs> I hope you're ready to celebrate again. In the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the reason we are here. He's not just the reason for the season at Christmas, right? <laughs> he is the reason. It's amazing when you read scripture and you learn that Jesus created all things and he holds all things together. If you're wondering where that is, go to Colossians and other places. But let's bow our heads and our hearts and bless this time together. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would bless the time we have together. We want to honor you in this time, Lord God. We want to enjoy this sweet fellowship and communion, Lord, with you, which is only possible through Jesus' finishing work on the cross. We rest in you, Lord God. We keep our eyes fixed on you. Because we know that you are the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. You have breathed your breath of life into us, Lord. And we are so grateful. God, we want to honor you in song. We want to honor you in the way we fellowship and how we study to be diligent to find ourselves, Lord, approved before you as we study your word, Lord. God, we just ask for an anointing upon Pastor Frank, Lord, as he brings forth your word, led by your spirit, Father. God, we just pray that our hearts will be open and receptive to what you have for us today that we may grow nearer and stronger and feed upon your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus summed up the law in two things. Remember what they were? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself, right? With all my 
done great things. He's always doing great things. Let's sing great things. What a great idea. Let's get a hand clapping, yeah. Let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great Great. 
above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. You've done great things. I'll sing hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. for this morning and your grace and your love that you pour out upon us, Lord God. Grace being, Lord God, that you give us, Lord, what we don't deserve and mercy being that you don't give us what we do deserve. And Lord God, that's what's amazing about you. You're a God of love. You're a God, Lord, of abundance. And we exalt your holy and precious name here this morning at Living Word Community Church. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, be seated. I want to invite those who are going to become members this morning, if they would please make their way up. They are an eager group of people. (laughs) Come up with your kids and your family, and I'm looking here. I don't see the microphone. We will get you one. Thank you.
Why'd you all go to the right? Nobody went to the left. Even when I'm wrong, I'm right. <laughs> okay, take a look at me. So, actually, we did membership class this morning. We don't usually do membership immediately following. They were so eager that they were just like, we want to become members today. And we just want to, we want to get in and become members. So, hey, our main, our main focus of membership here at Living Word Community Church is to make disciples. That's why we're here. Not to entertain, not to put on shows. It's not a social club. It's to make disciples. And a disciple is somebody, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 29, is to bring people to a place where they are conformed to the image of Jesus. So growing in Christlikeness is our main purpose in the lives okay, of the people who come to Living Word Community Church and what we do. Our vision is to be a fully functioning biblical community as you have in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. To be devoted to the word of God, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, uh, to prayer. Our beliefs, we believe in one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in the inspiration of the Old and New Testament scriptures that the entire Bible from Genesis to the book of the Revelation is the inspired word of God. We believe that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for us, was raised from the dead to give us life, the forgiveness of sins. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit who enables us and empowers us to be able to live the Christian life victoriously. We believe that Jesus will return and he will come for his bride to take us to be with him forever and ever. Covered a whole lot more things with you this morning, but that is a quick synopsis of our overall beliefs. So in becoming members today, you are joining Hands of Fellowship with us in building the kingdom of God here and making disciples in developing a fully functioning biblical community and being devoted ultimately to the word of God. So if so, in agreement with that, would you please acknowledge we do? I do? Okay. So I'm going to just give you a chance. Just some, I said we're not going to do testimonies this morning, and I'm sorry. Just tell us your name, and if you could just pass the mic, okay? And you can turn around. And then we're going to bring the elders up, and we're going to pray over you. Good morning, everyone. My name is uh, David Castro. Good morning, Georgia Hector. Good morning. My name is Kamal Hassan. Good morning, dear Solicitado, and everybody call me D. Good morning, my name is Brianna Benitez. Good morning, I'm Annabelle Best. Jason Best. Good morning, I'm Nikki Best. Good morning, my name is Samantha Best. Good morning, Tim Hamilton. Gracias. Good morning, bless you. My name is Maria. Good morning, Teresa Ashoff. Could I ask you all to come and just kneel here at the altar? I'm going to invite up the, uh, the leadership in the church, pastors, elders, uh, deacons. Would you please make your way up? Thanks. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, this morning for those, Lord, most of all, Lord God, that you have drawn them to your son Jesus, and that they have put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior and received the gift of eternal life. We thank you for that, Lord God. It's good to see, Lord, them here with their children, 
Lord, their spouses with one another. And Lord God, we thank you that you've led them to Living Word Community Church, to the body of Christ here, Lord God, in Dumont, New Jersey. And that today, Lord God, they are joining hands with us in fellowship and becoming part of this body, committing themselves, Lord God, to building the kingdom of God here at Living Word, Lord God, to bringing glory to you, to making disciples, and Lord God, to truly seeking to form that fully functioning biblical community. Father God, I ask a blessing on each and every one of them. Lord, for how many days, months, years they have with us here at Living Word, may you make it fruitful. Lord God, may they produce an abundance of fruit and bring you an abundance of glory and just add, Lord God, to the forming of this body, to the growing of this body. And we pray all of this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God bless you all. Congratulations. Hello. Okay. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good. It's, it's nice to see you guys. Um, welcome to Living Word Community Church. For those of you that are here for the very first time, we would actually like to welcome you. So if you can please raise your hand. If you're here for the first time, we would like to welcome you. Please raise your hand. Any? Nope. Okay. All right, so uh, let's go through announcements, okay? We have quite a few announcements. Today is Extraordinary Moms. They're meeting today after service in the parent-child room. Movie night is this Friday, June 16th at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. We're showing the movie Heaven's War with Spanish subtitles. Oh, and I forgot. Um, para los que estén escuchando en español, por favor pongan sus teléfonos en silencio. ¿Quién está escuchando en español? Uh, ponga su mano para arriba. Por favor, uh, asegúrese de poner sus teléfonos en silencio porque no se escucha bien la traducción. And now the English translation. No, I'm not going to do that. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the men's gathering is also this Friday at 7 p.m. Please sign up in the Welcome Center today for dinner if you will be joining. Today is the last day to sign up for Father's Day, the Father's Day softball game and barbecue at Twinboro Field in Dumont this Saturday, June 17th from 12 to 4 p.m. Missionary is next Sunday. Um, we always have to remember, right? There are, there are, the Lord has called everyone to do different things. So the Lord called the missionaries to share the word of Jesus with other people in different countries that would never hear about Jesus if it wasn't for them. So the way that the church can help is either by praying for them or by helping them out, um, donating, serving. That's a way to serve the Lord, right, monetarily. So whatever the Lord puts in your heart to give next week, then make sure that you do that and market missions, okay? And um, so that's going to be next Sunday. 
All right, Armor of God Vacation Bible School. This is exciting. This is coming up soon. Register your children today. Actually, I don't know if it's the last day, but make sure you register your children and register to volunteer online um, today for a Vacation Bible School. The link is on the bottom of the screen. You can also go to our website, um, the church's website. And um, we need more volunteers, okay? We're, we're actually in need of, uh, actually not volunteers, we need more people that will serve the Lord in that manner, right? That will teach the kids, either teach the kids or help out during Vacation Bible School. We need more people that will do that, um, more servers, right? More, uh, more people that will help out that week. So uh, make sure that you see Jackie today. Um, she's going to be tabling. And for those of you that are going to be uh, serving the Lord that week, week, make sure that you see Jackie because she needs to speak to you, okay? And Pastor Frank will be having a baptism class soon for those interesting, interested in being baptized. Uh, please fill out a card in the Welcome Center and drop it in the folder marked Completed Forms. Someone from the office staff will be in touch with you. All right, God bless you guys. Thank you, Brenda. If we can have a rushers come forward, we're going to continue to worship the Lord in song, but also uh, in our offering. And you can stand or sit, whatever you like to do, as we continue to worship the Lord. Thank you, sir. Kim, can you pray for the offering, please? Sure. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come here today. We thank you, God, for all of your provision and your blessings. God, for all of your grace and your mercy. And we just pray, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given us, God, just to give back to you, Lord. We pray, God, that you would make it fruitful, Lord, and that you would use these tithes and these offerings to further your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing this song, Here's My Heart, I would encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus, surrender your heart to him as he has given his heart for us.
Thank you. Let me talk to you about baptism for a few minutes before we go to the word. So in Acts chapter 238, it says, And Peter said to them, this is on Pentecost, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism, right, is something that is commanded to us. It does not save us. 
Okay, the thief on the cross, he put his faith in Jesus. Jesus didn't say, get down and be baptized, and you'll be with me in paradise. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But baptism is an outer, again, expression. It is an outer, outer testimony of what God has done in your heart. You'll notice here that Peter's message is be baptized. And then he says, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me say this too. See, a lot of people who have given their life to Christ and have never been baptized, you are not obeying God, which is then limiting you on what God can do in your life through the Holy Spirit. So it's key. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are commanded to be baptized. Okay, baptism again, it's the word baptismos is to be deeply identified with Jesus. Going under the water, you're identified with his death. Coming up out of the water, you're identified with his resurrection. So we are going to be doing baptisms in upcoming weeks, okay, as we do during the summer. We do them right here, that actually box there. That's not the Ark of the Covenant. It is actually a baptismal, and <laughs> we'll be doing it there. But there is a yellow sheet on the information table as you're leaving the building where you can put your name, you sign up uh, for baptism. Put your phone number there, too, and your uh, email address. Sign up for it, and then we'll be contacting you. We'll do a short class here, explaining to you, again, all the details of baptism, and we'll be doing baptism in the uh, upcoming weeks, okay? It'll be a very special day. All right, stand with me for the reading of the Word. Today, I'm going to be wrapping up with the Gospel of Mark, and I'm going to be completing the Gospel of Mark with Mark chapter 16, 9 through 20. It gives me great joy to bring this Word to you, and um, I'm going to actually be doing a series over the course of the next month as we go through the summer, and then we'll be coming back as I teach word by word through the, uh, through the scriptures. So Mark chapter 16, verse 9 through 20. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents and they will drink, deadly, uh, drink anything deadly, it by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then... After the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord God, open up our hearts today. Lord, we ask a special, Lord God, anointing upon our minds because we need to dig, Lord, deeply into this passage, and I pray, Lord God, as we use our minds, that, that filter, Lord God, that we filter truth and error from, 
the word of God will filter down into our hearts, Lord God, and bring forth an abundance 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. May it all be for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark chapter 16, 9 through 20 is the, probably the most debated passage by Bible teachers and scholars that you will find in the entire Bible. And if you are not using a New King James Version or a King James Version, uh, if you look at your Bibles, you're going to see that it says this, the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient wit witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20 okay, included. So uh, the NIV, the uh, New Catholic Bible, the ESV, you will find okay, that quote there. Now, I believe that Mark chapter 16, 9 through 20 belongs in our Bible. I want to give you a couple of reasons why, and then we're going to dig into the passage. The, fir the first is, you're going to have to, again, think a little here. Put on your thinking caps. There, there essentially are Bibles have come from two texts, the Byzantine text and the Alexandrian text. The... Uh, Alexandrian text was actually uh, dated a little bit earlier than the Byzantine text. The Byzantine text comes down through, uh, essentially the man who led it was Erasmus, and um, you have what is called Textus Receptus, and that is where we get the King James Bible, the New King James Bible, and the Geneva Bible from. The Byzantine text, okay, I'm sorry, the, the Alexandrian text, uh, essentially, again, which date a little earlier than the Byzantine text, uh, were translated by Westcott and Hort. And that is where you see the, uh, the Catholic Bibles, the NS, uh, NASB, the NIV, and the ESV. The Alexandrian texts were greatly influenced by the Gnostics. You know, Christianity fought a battle in the first couple of centuries that uh, if the Gnostics had won, I don't believe we would be here. The Gnostics did not believe that Jesus was God. The Gnostics also did not believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. So this translation, these translations come from that, again, that Alexandrian school that really was anti-supernatural. And Westcott and Hoard, who actually did the translation in 1881, they also were anti-supernaturalists. They were not believers. They did not believe that Jesus was God, and they did not believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Again, we use, okay, the New King James Version, the King James Version, and we basically, again, Textus Receptus, and going back to the Byzantine text, where, again, the scholars believed that Jesus was God and that he was, again, raised from the dead. Now, the main argument that you will find is, well, the Alexandrian text was dated earlier, and therefore it's more correct, right? That wouldn't be logical. You can listen to some of these teachers. You can read some of the books on that. Here's, here's one of my arguments against that. The influence, okay, of Jesus in the life of Paul, Peter, and John, okay, and there were these, these men, okay, who wrote, okay, they, they wrote and they basically taught the word of God, okay, in the early centuries. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on from about 100 to 150 A.D. 
Clement of Rome, Ignatius of Antioch, and, and again, a direct one here, John Polycar, Bishop of Smyrna. Uh, I, have, I actually have these writings, and something that, that I found in them was essentially Polycarp had a great influence on two men, Irenaeus and Hippolytus. And uh, they wrote at 150 AD. Irenaeus and Hippolytus included in their writings Mark chapter 16, 9 through 20. Do you understand? They were writing from the year 150, which predates the Alexandrian school by 200 years, which tells me that they were including Mark chapter 16, 9 through 20 in the scripture. So again, when you're reading your Bibles, and again, if you're not using the King James and the New King James Bible, this is what appears because of the influence of the Alexandrian Gnostics as well as Westcott and Hort, who were unbelievers. And I don't know about you, this is why years ago we switched from using the NIV to using the New King James Version because we went to Textus Receptus, which I believe is the far more accurate, okay, again, translation. We don't have the original autographs, right? We don't have the original writings of Mark. But it's a far more accurate, again, translation than what you get with, again, the Alexandrian and, and again, the influence of, of Westcott and Hort. Now, that's, that's one reason, again, why I believe Mark, chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, belongs in our Bible. I want to give you another one. Remember the heptatic structure? Joanne, do you remember the heptatic structure? So the number 7 is repeated throughout the Bible. 603 times in the King James Version. It's repeated over and over. I'm going to give you an example. This is just the book of Genesis. It's repeated, I think I put 23 times down here, but it's repeated over 20 times. The number seven, repeated, repeated, repeated. And I, I've taught on this, on this, again, this heptatic, hepta, meaning the number seven in the Greek, this heptatic uh, structure. I was teaching on it one morning, I think so, like a couple years ago, and um, I was focusing on uh, six points, and I was focusing on the sixth point, the heptatic structure of Scripture, which gives great evidence that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And as I put it up, notice that number seven. Do you see that, that little thing there? That's not, a, that's not some type of cult signal that we're trying to brainwash you with. But the kids in the nursery, if they act up, that number appears to let you know to go in and get your kid. And just as I put this slide up about the heptatic structure, Joanne, very, very sharp Joanne, she doesn't miss, she doesn't miss, you know, she doesn't miss it anything. She immediately took a picture of it and sent it to me that afternoon. That just so happened that number seven began to act up when I put up the heptatic. Now listen, I don't believe in coincidences, that, right? It's like God is doing stuff here amongst us. Now, so let's go. Let's go a little, 25 kids in the nursery. you got a lot of kids in the nursery. So let's go a little deeper here, okay? In Genesis, okay, 1-1, one, one. in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There are seven Hebrew words. And when you get into the actual vocabulary of those Hebrew words, I just want to, I want to show you this. This mystery, it's an anomaly, a phenomenon, 
The number of Hebrew words is seven. The number of letters equal 28 divisible by seven. The first three Hebrew words translated in the beginning God created contains 14 letters divisible by seven. The last four Hebrew words, the heavens and the earth, have 14 letters divisible by seven. The fourth and the fifth words have seven letters. The sixth and seventh words have seven letters. The three key words, God, heaven, and earth, have 14 letters. The number of letters in four remaining words is also divisible by seven. The shortest word in the verse is the middle word with seven letters. The Hebrew numerical value of the first, middle, and last letters is 133 divisible by seven. The number of numerical value of the first and last letters of all seven words is 1,393 divisible by seven. By the way, that's 12 of 27. Just, you start to see some, I call this, I call this the fingerprint of God that is throughout the Bible. It's kind of, you know, God's signature. Think about your, your fingerprints are totally unique to you. Nobody has the same fingerprints of anybody who has ever been born all, you know, on the entire earth going back to, you know, to Adam and Eve. So it makes us unique. This is, this is what makes the Bible unique. You will not find this in literature. You will not find it. You can, you can go through it, you, you, you won't find it. Now, when we come to Mark chapter 16, 9 through 20, again, this pattern suddenly appears. So in Mark uh, 16, 9 through 20, in the Greek, you have 175 words divisible by seven. You have the words of Jesus there come out to be, again, the, the actual um, words, letters, 56 divisible by seven. Uh, vocabulary words, 98, divisible by 7. Uh, word forms, 133, divisible by 7. Words occurring, uh, word forms occurring only once, 112, divisible by 7. Total number of letters, 98. Vocabulary words, that's 553, div divisible by 7. Number of vowel letters is 153. Vocabulary letters, that comes to uh, actually 294, again, divisible by 7. Number of consonant letters in 153 vocabulary letters is 259 divisible by 7. Number of words in 98 vocabulary words found only here in Mark is 14, again divisible by 7. Number of words in 98 vocabulary words used here in words of Jesus is 42 divisible by 7. The odds of that happening, when you start looking and playing with mathematics here, it really becomes the impossible. I mean, no scribe, no mark, just using, you know, human intelligence. Let me say this to you. If you brought 400 scribes together and they worked on this for 400 years, it is very unlikely that they could have done this. Now, if they were space travelers or time travelers and they came to our time and they went to IBM and they paid off IBM to use Watson, which is the most right, complex computer on the entire earth, maybe, maybe they might be able to do this, but they didn't have Watson in the first century. And that is, again, another reason why I believe Mark chapter 16, 9 through 20 belongs in the scripture. I think God put intentionally his fingerprint on it because, right, knew it would be brought into question in later days. So I, I believe this passage, again, belongs in our Bible. Now, let's dig into the passage. First thing, they experienced the risen Savior. So that's, that's what you get in, in verse 9 through 12. 
Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons, and she went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And we covered this last week. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Mary and the two... Okay, on the road to Emmaus, they experienced the risen Savior. This is just, again, two people or three people who experienced the risen Savior. Mary clung to Jesus. Mary loved Jesus. Maybe Mary loved Jesus more than anybody else. She loved Jesus. She grabbed onto him. She didn't want to let him go. He said, you've got to let me go. I need to go to my father. And then the two on the road to Emmaus, they walked with him. They talked with him. He explained the word of God to them that he was predicted throughout the Old Testament. They sat to eat with him, and when he took the bread and broke it, they recognized him, that he was the risen Savior, and then he vanished from before their eyes, but they experienced him. John says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4, through 4, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, what a beautiful passage. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ and these things we have written to you that your joy may be full. They experienced him. They held him. They touched him. They saw him. They heard his voice. They experienced him. That is the Christian life. In John chapter 17, 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The word know, right? What is it? Genosco. It means to experience. It means personal experience, personal intimacy, to know in a personal way. Not to know about. Many people know about Jesus, but they don't know him. The demons knew all about him, and they did not know him. See, you, you could know about George Washington, but you don't know him. Do you know who knew him? Martha, his wife. <laughs> she knew him. She had intimacy with him. She knew his strengths. She knew his weakness. To know the Lord is, is to know him in intimacy, to know him in soul, in mind, in emotions, in heart. Again, it, it's not a religion. We're not here for religion. Many people are all across the world today. They're religious. It is not a religion. It is a relationship with the living God and with his son, Jesus Christ. It is not rituals. It is a relationship. So they experienced him. Now, the second, they were told to go. Mark chapter 16, verse 14 through 16, later appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. What did he say? What's those two-letter word? Go. That, that is, that is the, the great mission, okay? 
Go, preach the good news. Tell people about me. Tell them who I am. Tell them that God has come to the earth, right? Tell them that I was incarnate, right, in, in, in human form. Tell them that I am the Messiah. Tell them that I am the Savior. Tell them that I am the Lord. Tell them that I am the King. And tell them that I was crucified for them, right, as a sacrificial lamb, a sacrificial atonement, and on the third day I was raised from the dead. And he who believes in me and is baptized... I will give them eternal life. Go. In Matthew 28, again, the Great Commission, he says the same thing, go. Go, 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 show, and tell. Remember, remember show and tell? One time one of the kids, when I was in like fourth grade, he came in with a horseshoe crab. I'll never forget this. Kid stood up. He was this tall Irish kid, and he held the, the, the horseshoe crab. And his older brother set him up to do this, and he said to the class, he goes, this is a monster. <laughs> and his older brothers must have all been laughing at him. It's a monster. It was show and tell. Well, he has called us to go and tell. Go and tell. That is our mission, to go and tell. Now, the third is they were empowered. They received supernatural power, Mark chapter 16, 17 through 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The anti-supernaturalists hate this passage. If you get a lot of like anti-supernaturalists in the Reformed churches, they hate this passage. I just want you to notice this. As you go and believe, signs will follow. Supernatural signs. Right? It, it, it describes some will be casting out demons. By the way, I want you to notice that this flows right into the book of Acts. And there are five occasions in the book of Acts where they cast out demons. Everyone wasn't casting out demons. I want you to know that. And some believers spoke in tongues. But not everybody spoke in tongues. I want to show you this in a second. Uh, some believers laid hands on the sick and they got well. But not everybody laid hands on the sick. And one believer was bitten by a snake and he did not die. Now, I, I want you to see this though. The signs follow those who go and believe, and tell. You, you need to go and believe. If you sit and doubt, don't expect that supernatural power to be operating in your life. Signs follow those who go and believe. Those who, who sit and doubt, they're, they're, that's not going to happen. The, the charisma, the charisma, okay, of the Holy Spirit, that power, of the Holy Spirit that empowers believers with these, again, supernatural gifts, operates, okay, when we go, we believe, we tell. Now, I believe, as you, again, you go through the scriptures, these supernatural powers operate in the body of Christ. Not everybody has the same supernatural gifts. Right? Not everybody is, is 
a preacher, right? Caruso of the word, the empowering Caruso of the word, or a teacher, the didaki of the word. Those are my gifts. Not everyone has those gifts. Not everyone has the gifts of healing or the gift of tongues or the gift of knowledge. Look, look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 29-31. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Not everybody has these same supernatural powers. No one. Except Jesus. And again, you get a picture of the body of Christ. When we go, and again, this is, this is the body working together. We are the body of Christ. You may be a foot, you may be a hand, you may be a mouth, you may be a tongue, right? You, you may be an arm, you may be a leg. We are all part of the body. And again, God has given... In fact, more gifts than we show here, but he has given these gifts. Not everybody has been given the same gift. And when we operate together, suddenly when we are operating together as a cohesive unit, suddenly that supernatural power operates in our church. The Lone Ranger, Lone Ranger Christians, they're all over the place. They go from church to church to church to church. They're powerless. They're powerless people. You need to be plugged in and you need to get your hearts knit together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we get empowered through the Holy Spirit, suddenly you will see the manifestation of the charisma of God. You follow me? All right. What did he say they will do? And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. So you see in Acts chapter 5, verse 16, 8, 7, 16, 8, uh, 16, 16, 16, 18, 19, 11, and 12, you see instances where demons were cast out. I'll give you one here, Philip. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Apparently Philip had this gift, and I believe that the casting out of demons, it basically is the gifts of healing. By the way, it's always gifts of healing which tells me there might be different empowerments with specific people to heal specific things. Notice, notice that, um, again, the demons were cast out and many who were paralyzed and lamed, I believe the paralyzation and the lameness was being caused by the demonic. Not all illnesses are caused by the demonic. We know that there's bacteria, other ways and things that cause people to experience illness, but these were illnesses that were directly connected with the devil. So when, when Philip is, again, he's using, I believe, these, these gifts of healing, he's not only healing people of specific illnesses, the unclean spirits are being driven out of people. You understand this? We are all called to witness. You're called to witness. You're called to tell people about Jesus. But you're all not called to preach and teach the word of God. We are all called to intercede. But we all don't have the gift of intercession. We are all called to pray for the sick. 
but we all don't have the gifts of healing for the sick. So, so again, this is specific to, I believe, certain people operating in the body of Christ with these charisma gifts to cast out demons. There are people in the church, and I've been involved in some situations of casting out demons. I'll tell you this. There are people in the church I would never bring to a situation like that. In fact, we had a, one situation in a Bible study where I believe the girl was, was demon-possessed. She began to vomit. She began to projectile vomit. The people in the, in the group, well, they all, they all freaked out. There was obviously nobody there who was really, I think, anointed with that gift to really immediately take on the demons. It says they will speak in new tongues. So you have these instances in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, 10, 46, 19, 6, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, 12, 28. Right? Here's, a, here's an example again of them speaking. They spoke, okay, in the book of Acts in languages. So in verses 4 through 6 of chapter 2, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Remember, they were from all over. They were, they were from Russia. They were from Italy, right? They were from Parthia, right? They were from Persia. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So the, the multitudes heard the 120 who'd come out of the upper room speaking in their native languages. And this is a missionary gift, to minister to people cross-culturally. So I, I want to give you an example. Tommy Long, Tommy Long was a, one of our missionaries that we supported for a number of years. Tommy has, has retired. But um, Tommy felt called to Spain. He did not speak Spanish. So he's trying to learn Spanish, and it's not happening. He goes to Spain. Three months in Spain, he's still not learning the language. So the missionary society was saying, hey, you know what, Tom, we're going to have to call you home. You obviously have not been called to reach the Spanish. Tommy went to the altar that night and prayed at the altar, saying to God, God, I, I believe you called me to reach out to the Spanish people. And he begged God. And Tommy instantaneously began to think in Spanish. And if you know anything about learning a new language, it's when you begin to think in the language that you know the language. Tommy, Tommy built, I don't know, 30 churches in Spain, and then he came to South America and he built more churches. That, that, is, that is the gift that is, that is being spoken of here. Now, there is a difference between the missionary language and a prayer language. And Paul makes that distinction in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Right? That's, that's not what happened in, in the book of Acts. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies, right? I am prophesying right now. And people think, oh, prophecy is predicting the future. That can be a part of it, but prophecy is essentially just proclaiming the word of God. Notice, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That is the, the preaching, the caruso gift of, of the gospel. He who speaks in a tongue, though, edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So the person who has a, a, this, this unique prayer language, they are basically communing with God, and their spirit 
is, is being edified, right? What does the scripture say? If there's nobody to interpret, I pray in tongues. I prayed in tongues since my early days in the Lord when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I have gone to people who claim to have the gift of interpretation. I've done it in front of them and it's never been interpreted. I keep it to myself. A person would have to have the gift of interpretation to be able to do that. But again, there's a difference between that and if I was to do that in front of Spanish people or people from Brazil, right, speaking, they're speaking their language, they would think I'm crazy. The missionary language commutes the gospel to them directly. Another, we were in here in prayer, this was a number of years ago, and there was a man here from, um, from China. He spoke Mandarin Chinese. And one of the women in the prayer group <laughs> began to speak Mandarin Chinese. And she had never spoken Mandarin Chinese. And as she's speaking to him, what she was doing is she was giving glory to Jesus, and she was basically telling him that Jesus was the Lord and Savior, that he was raised from the dead. That's, again, that's the missionary gift. The prayer language gift of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's different. It's different. But not everybody, right, speaks in tongues. Churches that say, oh, you have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I will argue that and debate that. I think there's a whole lot of evidences too. It could be an evidence. But I think there are other evidence and manifestations of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, next. They will take up serpents. The word, the word take up, lift up, or remove, or take away serpents. So you can go down to the Appalachians. Appalachian Mountains, and uh, there are churches. This is not common, <laughs> but there are churches, and behind the pulpit, behind the altar, there are cages with poisonous snakes in it. And there's a time during the service where they bring out the snakes, and certain people handle the snakes to demonstrate their faith. And Mark chapter 16, sometimes they get bit. Sometimes they get sick, and there are cases where sometimes they die. I don't think that's what Jesus was intending. Listen to what the Lord said in Luke chapter 10, 19. When he, when he sent out, right, he sent out the 12, and then he sent out the 70. He said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and overall the power of the enemy, and nothing you shall uh, by any means hurt you. In the Middle East, there, there are snakes and scorpions everywhere. Venomous, poisonous, cobras, vipers, adders, they're all around. Now, he is sending the apostles, right, and the 70 out into, right, the, the corners of Israel here. And right, they're going to be sleeping on, right, outside on the side of the road. They're, they're going to be walking Along, and he is making a promise here that he will protect them. He will protect them from the, the serpents and the scorpions. I've been in Israel and seen, and seen scorpions num numerous times. I, you know, just hiking up here on the Angwood Cliffs, I, I ran the Angwood Cliffs, hiked the Angwood Cliffs. It's great. You go to the Alpine Boat Basin, go up on the path behind the, uh, that, that inn. You go up there on those mountains, they're absolutely beautiful. How many times I'm, I'm along the path, and when the sun is coming through, breaking through the trees, you'll see snakes, they let them warm themselves on the path. And uh, you have a copperhead snakes, a lot of copperhead snakes. You get bit by one of those, you're going to be sick for a while, if not, if not dead. But 
what God is saying to them, I'm promising you that I will protect you. I'm going to protect you. Not only from the spiritual realm, but from the material realm where there's danger. So here, here is Paul in the book of Acts, Acts 28, 3 through 6. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he had escaped the sea, yet injustice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said that he was God. What did God do? He protected him. He protected, right? It just, just exactly what the passage says. He shook it off into the fire. I know some of you who are animal lovers, you're going, oh, the poor snake, oh. <laughs> right into the fire. But again, that, that, that's the Lord. That's the Lord protecting. Go, tell, believe. I'll protect you. I'll protect you. I'll protect you from the snakes and scorpions. Watch. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now watch. The word word drink is pino, and it means to consume. So it's not just drinking a liquid. It could be eating something. And then the word thanatos is deadly. It can kill you. Um, Not necessarily instantaneously, but it has the power. It could be chemicals, contaminants, bacteria. It can kill you. So here, here are, these are Jewish people, Jewish men. They eat a Jewish diet. They don't eat pork. They don't eat bottom feeders, lobsters and scallops and clams and oysters and mussels. A guy that I knew right over here in Old Japan, he ate a mussel that was bad. He got toxic syndrome and died. They don't eat... Birds that are scavengers, vultures. They don't eat alligators or insects that creep and walk on the ground. They don't eat things that Gentiles eat. So now he's saying to them, you're going into Gentile territory. And people are going to put food in front of you that you have never eaten before. You ever eat something that you've never eaten before? Maybe you eat really clean. I eat really clean. And, you know, you kind of eat something that's not clean. What happens to it? It makes you sick, right? You get a bellyache, man. You get, you get some other things, right? As quickly as it went in, it's, you know, it's out. Well, you're going to be eating food that you've never eaten before. And he's saying here, right, it by no means will hurt you. The word hurt, blap to, weaken. Disable, hurt, harm, injure. Now again, crazy churches, what do they do? These are churches in the Appalachians. They will actually drink strychnine poisoning in the service to demonstrate their faith. Sometimes they get sick. Sometimes they die. By the way, these churches, they really now have become obscure. They were far more popular years ago. That's that's what you call putting the Lord to the test. By the way, on Wednesday night, I'm going to preach a message about putting the Lord to the test. You don't want to put the Lord to the test. 
So again, let me just bring you back to Luke. First time he sent them out, Luke 10, verse 7 through 8. And remain in the same house. You go to a house. Eating and drinking such things as they give. For a laborer is worth his wages. Do not go from house to house, whatever city you enter, and they receive you. Eat such things as are set before you. So again, they're going now into the homes of Gentiles. They're going up to Antioch, right? They're going beyond Samaria. They're going to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, to Greece, to Rome, to South Africa, um, to North, Northern Africa, to India. And so what the Lord is saying here, again, he's not encouraging them to drink poison. But he's guaranteeing them divine protection that wherever they go, whatever is put in front of them, right? Right? Don't, don't tell, I can't, I can't eat that. Right? They put pig in front of you now. You can eat it. Right? Maybe they put oysters in front of you. He's saying, you can eat it, and I'll take care of you. You're not going to become sick. It's not going to kill you. Before I started Living Word Community Church, I traveled as an evangelist. So I was raised, I'm raised in a, an Italian-American home. It's, it was an American diet. I mean, pasta and meatballs, brujol, uh, for the most part, hamburgers, steak, right? Chicken, fish, salads, always big salads, fruits, uh, little desserts thrown in there. American diet, okay? We, we, ate, we ate healthy, I have to say that, compared to most American diets. We all were, we all were lean. And um, now I, I'm traveling as an evangelist, and I'm going into different cultures, and I'm seeing things I've never seen before. So I'm going, I mean... I'm in Latino homes, Korean homes, Filipino homes, uh, Jamaican homes, all these different cultures. And they're putting food out in front of me, again, that I've never seen, things I've never eaten. So there's this one really wonderful family up in New York State, up in Kingston, and they, I'm invited to come up and preach in the church. And uh, this couple, they were, they were, the husband was an elder in the church, and so they brought Sue and I to their home. And, uh, and, and they, she was Spanish. And they knew I was Italian. So they wanted to make an Italian feast for me. But they had never cooked Italian food before. So they made, she made chicken parmesan. But instead of using mozzarella, mozzarella she put gargonzola cheese on it. And I hate gargonzola cheese. The smell of gargonzola cheese can make me feel sick. So it was chicken parmesan with gargonzola cheese, and I ate the whole thing. I did not want to insult them. I ate the whole thing, and I didn't get sick. And I was able to preach that night at the church. Another family. There's one thing I grew up with that I really hate, and that's lamb. Now I love lamb. But I grew up, my, my mother was a Greek cook. My mother, Italian food, man, better than any Italian restaurant anywhere around. My mother, great cook. But when she cooked lamb, the house stunk so bad that I would get nauseous. Literally, my brother, we'd have to leave the house. You know, gamey lamb? She was not, and then she'd, she'd serve it with, um, with that jelly, mint jelly. You had to cover it with mint jelly to be able to get it. I wouldn't eat it. So I'm invited to this um, Greek family's home. And they said to me, what don't you like? And I said, lamb. I do, just anything but lamb. And he's Greek. 
They eat lamb all the time. And his thought is, I'm going to make lamb. And I'm going to show this guy how good lamb can be. So Sue and I, we went to the house, and they put lamb out in front of us. I ate the lamb. I didn't throw up. I didn't get sick. But I ate it. Living Word Community Church. Got over 70 different nationalities here. When I was building this church, go to people's home. I used to, I used to do a lot of visitation, go to home after home during the week. Go to people's home. What do they do? They put food in front. They just feed you. You're feeding us the word, right? Pastor, we're going to feed you. We're going to feed you food. And people, people were putting you know, food in, in, in front of me. And there's this one family, a Hungarian family, Omri. Omri was an alcoholic for like 40 years of his life. He came to Living Word, accepted Jesus, and got delivered from alcohol. And Omri, Omri was incredibly grateful. So Omri invites me to the house. He and his wife, they prepare food for me, and they're putting this Hungarian food in front of me. I mean, there's stuff I've never seen before. I don't know where it's... Again, my grandmother, my Italian grandmother, she used to make tripe. I think it's tripe, right? Eat the stomach. Gabadzell, you know what gabadzell is? It's, it's lamb's brain. They cut the, the skull in half. You eat the brains, and then you eat the skin, and then you eat the eyes. You eat the whole thing. Now, I never ate that stuff, but I grew up with it. And this is where Omri has come from. And Omri is like, Frankie. This is Omri. Frankie. That's a Frankie. How's he going? Pastor Frankie. That's a Frankie. And he's putting this up. And I'm eating it. I don't know what I'm eating. I don't know what it is. Maybe pig. Some stuff, right? It's got some meat on it. And I ate it. Uh, there were some organs in there and stuff. I know there were organs. I'm not, I'm not a kidney and liver and spleen lover, right? And then it was dessert. Now, you can't mess up dessert, right? What can they do in Hungary to, to mess up dessert? You know what dessert was? It was fried lard balls. It's like Crisco lard. They put some sugar in it, and then they fry it. And they put fried lard balls. It's like, Frankie, 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 oh! I popped a few lard balls. Sue wasn't with me. I want to taste them. They didn't taste bad. They didn't taste bad. I mean, as if they... Lard balls. I was in another home. It was a hot day. All I asked for was water. House wasn't clean. Just, just water would be fine. And they put a glass of water in front of me with ice cubes. There were things in the ice cubes. <laughs> there were things. Some of them were black, some of them were white. I don't know what they were. They were. I drank the water. I didn't, eat, I didn't suck on the ice cubes. But I left and I didn't get sick. I'll give you one more. I go on. It's many years. One family, we go there. I don't have somebody from the church with me. We're going out two by two. And uh, there's a table, like, you know, the coffee table, long coffee table? And there were pieces of salami laid on the coffee table, like, like 12 pieces of salami. And, uh, the kids were coming over and peeling it off and eating it. He said, you want some? That was one day where I said no. 
I said, no, I'm, I'm just, I don't like salami, you know, it's, it's not, it's okay. But I didn't get sick through all those times. I think that's what the Lord is, is talking about here. He is saying, I'm going to send you out, right? I'm going to send you out into this, into this cross-cultural environment. And you're going to be eating food that you've never eaten before. And I'll keep you safe. You won't be getting sick. I want to tell you, this past January, I got a virus, man. It was, I, it was this, like, I don't know, 48-hour stomach flu. Man, I don't know if you remember. I missed, I missed church that Sunday. And I got, I mean, I got it. Sue had it. Rachel had it. And um, I hadn't thrown up since I was 26 years old. And I broke my record. I broke my record. Right? It was like, you know, almost 40 years. And I broke my record. So, all right. I'll tell you my sad stories. He promised to protect them. That's the point. Nothing weird. Don't be drinking strychnine. Don't be handling snakes. Don't put the Lord to the test. He said, if you go, go and tell and believe, you're going to have divine protection upon you. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We have that instance in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, 28, 8. Now I want to again show you something here. Watch this. In Acts chapter 5, and the believers were increasingly added, believers, to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that, notice, they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter, how powerful were the gifts of healing operating in Peter, passing by might fall on some of them. And a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now watch. The believers, they weren't laying hands on the people. They were bringing them to the apostles, which tells me there was a greater manifestation of the gifts of healing in the apostles than there were in just the believers. Again, th th this is a picture of the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in the body of Christ. Do you know your gifts? I know we just did a woman's retreat and they did the gift, you know, the gift program. I've done the gift program through the years. I'll tell you, the way, the way you find your gifts, you've got to be in prayer. You've got to be seeking the Lord for those gifts. I didn't take a test to find out that God had given me the gift of prophecy or teaching. It was, it was, it was through prayer, intense prayer, asking and seeking and knocking. And I've met it, seen God manifest other gifts in my life. I think that nobody has just one gift. We have gift mixes. And when we use those gifts in the body, again, the body is built up. And that's where you're seeing the supernatural power, the miracles of God. So the, the gifts, of, of again, of, of healing people in the body of Christ with this, right? And again, it's, notice it's, it's not singular, it's plural, because I think there are different gifts that can be used for specific illnesses or for the casting out of demons in the body of Christ. And destroying the work of the devil. Okay? Last point. They went and the Lord worked. So God gives us supernatural resources according to our ministry demand. Do you understand that? 
He gives, he gives us, again, charisma gifts and power and authority through the Holy Spirit in measure to, again, in accordance with the demand of our ministry. So if you're sitting in the church doing nothing, <laughs> don't expect God to manifest his supernatural power in your life because there's no need to. Do you follow me? It's, it's, when, it's when they went and they believed that then the manifestation of that supernatural power. Where is the greatest manifestation of God's supernatural power in the body of Christ in the world today? Where is it? It's not in America. Church is sitting in America. People, this is, this is church in America. Come, sit, hear the word, leave, right? And then until next week, nothing happens. In the missionary field, talk to missionaries, and they will tell you. They'll talk about people being healed, blindness being healed. They'll talk about people who are deaf being healed, the lame being healed. They'll talk about even people being raised from the dead. Why? Because they went, they go. And because of that demand, God manifests his power. When you're sitting and doing nothing, there's no need. There's no need for God to manifest his power. He will equip us and empower us, again, as the body of Christ, when we are on the go, when we're about his business, when we're doing what he's called us to do. So Mark 16, 19 through 20 so that after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Now watch. And they went out and they preached everywhere. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of signs. It is when they went that the supernatural power again began to manifest in their life. And that's what, that's what you see. Want to have the power of God manifesting in your life? You need to go. You need to believe. And that's when, again, that demand. You know, just, I want to say this to you, that the concept of demand, and again, that demand being met, is, is a pr universal principle that operates in the natural realm as well as the spiritual realm. It is essentially when we put a demand upon ourselves that, again, the resources flow into our lives. People who do nothing, again, you'll see they, they have very little flow of those resources coming into their life. I'm talking about in the natural realm. And the same thing operates in the spiritual realm. When you are on the go for God, you will find, again, that is when God will meet that demand, that demand for ministry through his supernatural power. So here's our, here's our wrap-up, Okay. Again, he says, go and tell. Be my witnesses. You, you may be called to the mission field. That's great. You may be called to be a pastor. But we are all called to be witnesses and to go to our friends and our families, our neighbors, and penetrate. You know, just you, he calls us to penetrate into the darkness and to shine our light. I say, I say this to you. I have led more people to Christ outside the church than in the church. I see a number of you here today who we've brought here in, 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 recent, you know, in recent months, recent years, to the Lord. But I have led more people to the Lord outside the church than in the church. I like to penetrate into dark places. 
I'd like to find, find places that I can go and I can penetrate into, build relationships with people, and let my light shine amongst them. That is what God... And again, that is where I find the supernatural power of God manifesting. But it's when we go and tell. And when we go and tell again, then the Holy Spirit will manifest His power. We'll, we'll begin to experience that power from on high, that supernatural power. But if you stay, don't expect that manifestation of power in your life. You can read, read the stories about the missionaries. Read the, read the stories about you know, the, the church planters. But it's until you go and believe and tell that you will see that the Holy Spirit, right? You, you in, your, in your little, me in my littleness, right? Me, me in my littleness, me in, in, that, in that very limited human power that I have, my weakness. Suddenly you go and you need that supernatural power, right? Just you, my human persuasiveness can't cut it. My, my cleverness can't cut it. My, my eloquence of speech can't cut it. I need the supernatural power of God. And when you step out again and you go, that's when God will manifest that supernatural power in your life. It really becomes an incredible, an incredible and exciting journey. You with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. And we thank you, Lord God, that you called us to go but Lord God, you also offer power from on high through the Spirit of God. That as you call us to go, Lord God, you will give us that power. You will give us that power, Lord God, corporately in the body of Christ, the manifestation, Lord God, of your Spirit, the charisma of your Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the authority and power of the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord God, that, that all here today, those who are watching, Lord God, May we take this message to heart and that, Lord God, many souls will be one for the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And they would see, Lord God, that manifestation of your power as they are on the go for you. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We praise you for your word. And in Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Folks, we're going to open the altars. If you'd like to come, maybe God has spoke to your heart today. You want to seek again, get closer to him, seek that power. The altars are open. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, the altars are open for you if you'd like to come spend a little time alone with the Lord or just seeking with somebody. In the arms of my Father, an amazing place of comfort and rest.
There is a place that we know. There is a place that I know where I need more of to go. A place of amazing comfort and rest. life is an interesting life, right? You can't live it in a shallow way. You get steamrolled if you try. You, you will get devastated if you try, disappointed. You have to go deep to really live the life that Christ has called us to. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word today. We thank you, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We pray, Lord God, may our lives bless you as we leave this place and go into the mission field, Lord God, as we go out there today. May we be, Lord God, a light in darkness, operating in your power, in your might, going for the kingdom of God. Amen.